you are the vagina whisperer. You are the person that gets up on TED Talk stages and preaches all about like, we are going to talk about our vagina. We're not going to shame away from it or there's not going to be, you know, weirdness to it. It's like, let's talk about it. Let's get it out there. And it's so important for people to know that there can be a wide spectrum post-birth of what happens to us. There are things that can be scary that happen down there in all aspects of our pelvic floor, internally, externally. But can you really paint the picture for us what that first experience was like for you? Because I think it can give us a little bit of hope in how you felt. And like, was there anything that you did to prepare yourself to feel really good, actually? I did. I mean, I prepared myself a ton for birth. I mean, I would say from, you know, I am in this field as a pelvic floor PT. I've been a pelvic PT for 15 years. So I have a five and a seven-year-old, um, two children right now. And so when I became pregnant with my first, I was like so proactive. I mean, I had my compression socks. I had my maternity support belt. I had my little vagina jack strap. You know, I started rolling (laughs) to my side to get out of bed and just really put into place all of these preventative measures in the hopes that it would, one, keep me comfortable during pregnancy, but two, minimize the risk of any diastasis recti or prolapse or weakness. The other thing is I also worked with a pelvic floor PT during pregnancy. So, you know, I did have some tension and some sacroiliac joint pain. So just things I would have maybe thought were normal. I was able to work with someone during my pregnancy who helped me feel more comfortable and then also helped me prepare for pushing and prepare for vaginal birth. And then I hired a doula, which, you know, I'm a little bit of a research nerd. So I, I looked up what are the things that help someone have the most optimal outcomes? And having a doula was one of them. And then, so I kind of put these pieces into place to say like, okay, no matter what happens, I at least want to feel like I did everything that I could. And I labored at home for a long time. I was in labor at home for maybe eight hours and then eventually made it to the hospital. My doula didn't even make it in time, but I I had an unmedicated vaginal birth and had no perineal tearing. And it was amazing. I mean, I was like, oh my gosh, this is what bodies can do. This is what my body can do. And some of it's luck and some of it's genetics and some of it's preparation. But I really do feel like, you know, going into the process, having done everything that I could and taking my baths and listening to my meditations and going for my walks, I really do feel like those were a piece of the puzzle that helped me have this really amazing birth experience. My physical condition after birth was really good. And so I actually share that with people Because I think it can be motivating and inspiring that, yeah, Yeah. like it can be okay. Like you can come out on the other side of this and not feel destroyed. And if you do, if like these physical changes happen, there is help. And that's what I do as a pelvic PT. But that, you know, we hear these really scary stories and sometimes it can feel like, oh my gosh, I don't even want to have kids. But really it can be okay if you've got some tools and support and education. And on the other side, I mean, I was walking within the first week. I was feeling really good and had minimal pain. And so I just, it helped everything to have a really positive experience. And it was very similar the second time around as well. The majority of my challenges came after the birth of my first son. It's your Mm -hmm. first rodeo. You've read the books. You've talked to friends. You've seen people become mothers. But I think going through that experience on your own is definitely something that you can only really understand if you've gone through it. Mm-hmm. And I prepared so much for my birth and I had an amazing birth and I did not know how to breastfeed. Like I didn't know it was hard. 
I didn't know that it wasn't going to be as intuitive as I thought. I didn't know how little support I would get afterwards. And I would almost say the first three months of my, you know, new motherhood journey was really defined by my struggles with breastfeeding. I mean, I think my physical recovery pelvic floor wise was great, but I think it just really made me realize that one, like you really have to educate and advocate for yourself as a woman, as a mother, as a patient, because it's not just going to, nobody's going to tell you what you need to do. You kind of have to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And second, nothing is as you expect it to be. Mm -hmm. You know, I had this vision of how early motherhood would look like and how breastfeeding my baby would be. And none of that happened. And so it's just ever since then you realize like you just really don't know what's coming around the corner and it's going to, you're going to fumble a little bit. And um, so I think that those are kind of some lessons I learned early on. Did you ever experience prolapse? No, I have not experienced prolapse. Um, I have experienced painful intercourse. And so that's something that is, you know, can be really common after giving birth. And we think that we just have weakness after giving birth. But if you have muscle tension, perineal scar tissue, a cesarean birth where you have cesarean scar restriction, Mm -hmm. all of those things can really contribute to muscle tension. And, you know, during intercourse, I'm like, oh, you know, this does not feel good, you know? And so- even myself, like, what's going on? Why is this happening? And so, you know, I work with other pelvic PTs and they were able to see me and treat me. And I felt lucky. I still feel lucky that I had this awareness of how to check my body thinking, mm-hmm. Hey, this is what's going on. But, um, painful intercourse is probably the, the most prominent pelvic floor issue that I've, I've experienced myself. I want to get into some of those more specific tools and, and tricks that you did, especially in preparing, as mamas in training, what can we do? And as pregnant people, what can we do? So I want to dive into that in the future. But for those people, you know, everybody's situation obviously is different. And one thing that I'm really adamant about here is, you know, to give glimmers of hope, but also not paint the wrong picture that it's going to be great. It's going to be fine. It's going to be easy. And I know that you are such an advocate for that as well. So from other patients that you've worked with and experiences that you've seen, what can we actually expect? Like just talking first about our vagina, like what is going to happen in the hospital right after that baby comes out? So whether you've had a vaginal or cesarean birth, you'll have vaginal bleeding. And I think people don't realize that, that, um, you know, you will have what's called lochia, which is, you know, heavy blood flow, typically very heavy to start with. And that will last for the next three to four weeks. One of the things I tell people is if you, if the bleeding goes away after three or four weeks, but then you have an activity or you have sex or you do something, you go work out and the bleeding or pain increases, that's probably a sign that you overdid it. So Mm -hmm. don't ignore those signs, but either birth method, you'll have, you'll have vaginal bleeding. And initially like those first couple hours afterwards, like you, one, will deliver your placenta. I didn't know that there was like another stage of birth after yes. having a baby. <laughs> There's like a third stage where you birth your placenta. And that's either, usually how far How far after? Within 30 minutes. Okay. So typically, I mean, it can be within minutes, but typically after 30 minutes is when they start getting a little bit more concerned. But within the first 30 minutes, you'll deliver the placenta. And then after that, you kind of go through this huge hormonal drop where your estrogen levels kind of um, decrease your, you know, everything's kind of just changing so drastically and you get shakes and shivers and chills and you kind of, you know, get a little bit jittery. There's some adrenaline, but there's also a lot of hormonal changes and medications that are taking effect. Um, you can feel nauseous and sick. So there's a wide gamut, but 
those initial couple hours, it's just really your body's going through a ton of changes. Just to clarify too, when we have a C-section, they take the placenta out with the birth Correct. of the baby, right? When you have a C-section, they will, you'll birth the baby. So they'll take the baby out and then they also, the placenta typically comes out as well. At the same time. Mm-hmm. And then are they giving you any kind of medications? Are there any remedies for this hormonal drop at this moment? Unfortunately, no. <laughs> And the hormonal drops, I mean, they're, our bodies designed the way that they're supposed to, right? Like you can, you should be getting, you know, hopefully you can get fluids if you're dehydrated. Um, But a lot of it is, you know, our body is preparing to actually make milk for the baby. And so your estrogen Mm -hmm. levels drop drastically so that your milk starts coming in and, and you have colostrum already. So I mean, I, I actually sometimes think our bodies are amazing if we kind of just step back and see how they work without any interventions from us yeah. versus all of these things that we try to do to kind of nudge birth and postpartum and all of these things along. So, you know, after the initial phases of giving birth, you know, one or two things will happen with batter, bladder and bowel health. Some people have a hard time urinating. Like once they take a catheter out, they can't pee or some people are completely incontinent and just start peeing all over. Mm. So that's kind of the spectrum. Um, and then some people are totally fine. And then the last thing is that they, um, with pooping, some people will have, typically have constipation from pain medications, from dehydration. So that can also happen um, is that you have some constipation. So I always tell patients to kind of get on stool softeners day one in the hospital, stay on them for a couple of weeks so that you don't have to strain, which can affect your cesarean scar or, you know, your pelvic floor muscles, which are vulnerable after birth. And going back for a second, we just gave birth to the placenta or we just had a C-section and both things, baby and placenta, have come out. What are we going to feel? Like, are we going to feel any kind of burning, pain? I mean, everything just like widened and changed down there. Like, what is it going to feel like? Sore, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. so you'll definitely feel sore um, after either type of birth. So, and oftentimes people are going through the steps to have a vaginal birth, pushing, labor, and then they may have a cesarean birth at the end. So sometimes you feel a little bit like you're recovering from both. But I would say after a cesarean birth, you're anesthetized, so kind of numb from the waist down, um, but you'll still feel sore and achy in your abdomen and your back, things like that. Vaginally, you'll definitely feel sore. The majority of people who give birth vaginally do experience a perineal tear, which is a slight tear through the muscle, that can be as small as a paper cut or more significant and go all the way to the anal opening. So that will feel very sore. You know, they'll put some lidocaine or medication over the area, but it will feel sore. You'll feel like you're healing. It'll feel burny, stingy, things like that. I didn't tear and I still felt very sore in the area. So I tell people to use ice on the area several times during the first um, few days. And is it the type of thing where after that happens, like, our doctor is going to be down there, like, whether they have to sew us up or whether they have to, like, fix things? Or is it like, oh, your baby's out. Okay, now you just lay here and rest. Like, how, what does that no, look like? No, they definitely start, like, you know, suturing you up right away for both vaginal and cesarean birth. So it'll be like birth, a baby, birth of placenta, recovery, and they'll start suturing you up. And that could be, and that sometimes it's hard because you want to be with baby, but you're also just laying there on the table feeling like, okay, they're still working on me. Right. And this is kind of like, what is this time frame of sort of healing up before we're in a place where we're able to sit in the hospital bed, hold our baby and just kind of be in that moment? 
It totally depends. You know, I would say for a cesarean birth, it could be, you know, 12 hours, 8 to 12 yeah. hours where you'll feel where it'll take time for the medication to wear off. You can feel nauseous. Um, I mean, I think that sometimes it can be a few hours, but definitely somewhere between 2 to 12 hours, depending on kind of how you feel. After a vaginal birth, it can happen definitely quickly, but you're still kind of in this state of just like fog and adrenaline and fatigue, like what just happened. Mm. So I would say within the first few hours, um, you're kind of out of recovery and they'll start moving you to a hospital room out of labor and delivery. And then how would you recommend moving forward? We clean ourselves. Like I want to, I want to get into more of, you know, actually like pooping for the first time and being for the first (laughs) time and all those things. But like I, for example, at home have, um, a tushy, which yep. is, you know, basically like a, a, a little bidet, a bidet that you can add on. Yeah. Um, something like that, would you recommend? I know sometimes they mention squirt bottles, but like what, how do we take care of ourselves? So a couple of must-haves, in my opinion, are um, there are these things called peri bottles. They look like little squirt bottles, and there are some specifically for postpartum. One of those is a must. So typically after urinating, you're going to spritz some warm water over kind of the pelvic floor, vaginal area, vulvar area to clean it because wiping can be really irritating. Um, And the same thing after a bowel movement, use that to kind of clean the area. And then you can just gently pat around the anal opening dry. Um, So you definitely want to, and you're bleeding. So you're just trying to flush everything out, clean everything. So every time you use the restroom, you're going to use that peri bottle to kind of cleanse the area. You're going to go through maxi pads. You're going to put maxi pads and little mesh undies, and you're going to change those out several times a day. Um, And then throughout that first day, you're going to use ice to kind of help with swelling, sensitivity, irritation. With pooping, I would say one of the bigger challenges, because it is constipation, I encourage people to take stool softeners day one. But I also encourage them to get a little stool to put under their feet, um, Mm -hmm. like a step stool. Or if you're in the hospital, you can bring one. You can use a piece of luggage. You can use, you know, whatever you have to elevate your feet. Because elevating your feet helps your pelvic floor muscles relax better. It kind of Mm -hmm. puts your hips more in a squatting position, and that's going to help your pelvic floor just relax so that you can pee, so that you can poop without straining and, you know, irritating a vulnerable area. And can you talk to us, I've seen you describe multiple times the way in which we should actually be pooping and peeing before we even give birth. <laughs> like, yeah, totally. never, we never talk about this, but I think it's so important because then it kind of becomes habit and we're not forcing our body into something post birth that we're not ready for. Right. And this, I really educate people, you know, at any time in life to start this, even my children, I teach them how to do this. Um, but then definitely during pregnancy, if you can practice these techniques during pregnancy, then postpartum, you utilize the same techniques. So for peeing, my biggest thing is to not strain or push when you pee. I call it power peeing. But when you <laughs> urinate or pee, you really should just be sitting down, try not to hover or squat over the toilet. Ideally, you'd be sitting. And then you just take a couple of big, deep breaths. And that breathing, just gentle breathing, helps relax your pelvic floor muscles. And your bladder is a muscle that pushes the urine out. If you are pushing or power peeing, you're like forcing the urine out. And that just can weaken your pelvic floor muscles over time. So when you Mm -hmm. pee, don't push, don't strain, just sit, chill, you know, let your urine flow. If you feel like you have a couple drops at the end, you can move your hips around a little bit, rock forward. Even stand up and sit down again and see if a little bit more comes out. But again, you don't want to try to push out those last few drops. Mm. Um, For pooping, 
You have a stool under your feet, a squatty potty or a step stool. I use my kid's step stool in one of my bathrooms. I've used yoga blocks. I've used an Amazon box. Like whatever you have, your goal is to get your (laughs) knees kind of above your hip level so that you're in a squatting position. And then you lean forward onto your elbows and you um, exhale like you're blowing out birthday candles. So you kind of breathe out really firmly and that puts a little pressure to help empty your tank, your, your poop out. So urination, you don't push. For pooping, you do push, but you don't want to hold your breath. Mm-hmm. By exhaling or blowing out candles, you avoid holding your breath. And that, again, helps prevent kind of too much pressure on the pelvic floor. And how would you compare that to the way that we would recommend pushing for birth? Same? Different? Yep. Great question. I teach people the same way. So there are some PTs who are like, it's not the same. For me, when I have people push or bear down, work on exhaling, their whole pelvic floor opens up. So there's an area between the vaginal opening and the anal opening called the perineum. And it's kind of the grand central station of your pelvic floor muscles where everything comes together and meets. So if you're bearing down and pushing, it feels like that perineum is like pushing down towards your feet. And that's the same thing you want to happen during a vaginal birth. So we spend a lot of time in our clinic or, you know, in my online um, platform, the childbirth education courses, we teach people how to really push and bear down and tell them like practice this while you're pooping, because if you can practice that every day during bowel movements, that's the same movement that you want for giving birth. You want to lengthen your pelvic floor. You kind of want your muscles just to get out of the way so baby can come on down. And I know the two things that a lot of people have trouble with, they're scared about, they don't want to talk about, um, if you could just shine a little bit of a light on, is prolapse, which we mentioned earlier, and hemorrhoids. Are these things that are common? And what should we do if if we get them? Yeah, so prolapse um, is not uncommon. So not everybody has it, but there's a large majority of people who do. The reason prolapse happens is we think of your pelvic floor muscles like a hammock that sit at the bottom of your pelvis and they support your pelvic organs. So your bladder, your uterus, which holds growing baby, your rectum, which holds poop, that hammock or pelvic floor muscle supports all of those. If that hammock gets weak, lengthened, stretched out, which can happen with pregnancy, with pushing or straining, with childbirth, then that hammock doesn't support those organs as well. And that's what's called pelvic organ prolapse. When those organs kind of start to sink down and they're less supported by the vaginal walls. So that can feel like pressure, like something's falling out of your vagina, um, like something's bulging at the opening of your vagina. You can have leakage. You can have incomplete emptying of poop. So those are all symptoms of prolapse. And then hemorrhoids are, they're actually a prolapsed vein that kind of comes out of your anal opening. So it's the same problem. The tissue's not supporting what it needs to as well, and it ends ends up kind of dropping down. So some of the things I really recommend to people is, one, making sure that you exhale. When you're lifting weights, when you are lifting your kids, when you're pooping, not holding your breath will help minimize how much pressure goes down towards your bottom. And then again, learning how to strengthen your pelvic floor if it needs strengthening, but also lengthen your pelvic floor for bowel movements so that you're not straining. So some people need strengthening. Some people need relaxation and lengthening. Both of those people can have prolapse or hemorrhoids, but this is not uncommon, but pelvic floor therapy can definitely help with both of them. Yeah. 
Well, since you just said that, I want us to dive in quickly into pelvic floor therapy because I know basically nobody knows about it or they've heard about it and they're like, hmm, yeah, I heard that once on this podcast, but but we're going to actually tell you what it's about. Um, it is so important if these types of symptoms continue that we do get help and support. And unfortunately, we've just not made that connection yet with our OBs and our gynecologists and the world of giving birth into the support that we have as a female with the body in your postpartum. So when do we know when we see a a pelvic floor PT? Like, how do we know, like, this is just typical, this is common, we're in postpartum, or no, 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 we need some extra help here. So this is a great question. And I think more people are becoming aware of what pelvic floor therapy is, but I think it's a lot of people still don't know. So as a physical therapist, I work with muscles and I just work with muscles in the pelvic region, which is again, this, not just the hammock of muscles that we call your pelvic floor, but your abdomen, your buttocks, your low back, all of that is kind of considered your core and surrounding your pelvis. And we work on that whole area. Some of the more common things that we see are painful intercourse, tailbone pain, low back and hip pain, sacroiliac joint pain, also, you know, urinary leakage and um, urinary urgency or feeling like you have to go to the bathroom all the time or that you don't empty all the way, constipation, straining with bowel movements, hemorrhoids, or even fecal incontinence, which is leakage of stool if you can't make it to the bathroom in time. And then again, prolapse, which is, you know, decreased support of the pelvic organs. And another condition called diastasis recti, which is abdominal separation. It typically occurs during pregnancy, but can also persist postpartum. So all of these are related in the sense that they're all part of your core. They're related to your pelvic floor. um, And, you know, you can't address one without addressing the other. So there's, you know, I think... One, if you are pregnant, if you can get in to see a pelvic PT during pregnancy, absolutely do it. I think it's great to kind of understand what's going on with your body before another major change yes. takes place, like postpartum yeah. or childbirth. If you're postpartum, if you're early, we typically see people around six weeks in our clinic for postpartum assessments. Again, your body has just gone through a huge transformation. Muscles are changed. Ligaments are changed. Um, vaginal lubrication and dryness, maybe some scar tissue. So you just want to get assessed because you want to know what you're working with as you try to return to exercise or sex or work or taking care of your family. Um, But if you can see someone as early as six weeks, that's great. But if it's weeks, months later, even years, like definitely check in with someone if you're experiencing issues or you just want to see how your pelvic floor muscles are functioning. And what a great recommendation to, we talk about this in episode 71, which is all about the pelvic floor. Really, we dive into what that is, breaking it down and everything. But the key here, I think, too, is if we have the opportunity and we're hearing this before we get pregnant or when we're pregnant, to go in then to kind of get the assessment of where we're at before. Um, So we kind of know our general health in that area. And then we can already And then we have a better understanding when we do go postpartum, what changes have occurred and and what we can do to, you know, improve that. Um, But there's so many, I mean, you listed so many things and I'm sure there's even others that you, you forgot that just really are things that many people are dealing with on the daily, um, aren't talking about, are ashamed to say it's still a problem and are just not putting themselves first. 
I mean, I have a friend who's been dealing with this and she even bought certain classes and she's like, I just haven't gotten around to it. But this is something that really we need to make a priority. So I'm so grateful that we're talking about this. If we have the opportunity to prepare as you did, to hear this beforehand, can we touch back on some of those things that we can do to prepare our body to hopefully maybe bypass some of these things like tearing or whatever um, that do happen frequently? Um, But what are some of those things, again, if you can remind us that we can put into place before we even give birth? Absolutely. And whether you have a vaginal or cesarean birth, there are things that you can do to prepare. So one of the biggest ones is I teach people a lot of stretches. So there are certain stretches that can relax your hips and to help relax your pelvic floor during a vaginal birth experience. Some of those stretches would be a deep squat where you kind of get really low and you hold that squat. I often hear people say, like, I'm doing 300 squats a day. I'm like, oh, that's not really the idea behind it. Mm -hmm. You want to get into that squat and hold it and breathe and soften and allow those muscles to stretch and lengthen. It's not like a strengthening Mm -hmm. squat. It's a lengthening squat. Um, Another option is child's pose, which is a yoga pose, or happy baby, which is a yoga pose. Um, So those different things that can just, we think about when we're giving birth, we're in the squatting position, we're lying on our backs, our knees are hiked up, and our, you know, legs are wide open. So we want to practice that position and breathing and softening in that position. For cesarean birth, some of the things that we do are cat cow, um, triangle pose is another yoga pose that's really great to prepare for a cesarean Because again, those mamas are going to be sore after giving birth and we want to make sure their muscles are relaxed and limber and they know what to do post-birth as well. Now, stretching is one. The other one is if you are going to have a vaginal birth or planning for one is learning how to push. I hear so often from moms that I'm maybe seeing for the second time saying like, I didn't know how to push during birth. And you're in a vulnerable position. You've got people coaching you what to do. You maybe have an epidural and you're trying to connect your mind to your body, but you've never done that before. And so I teach people how to push again, like you're having a bowel movement. I don't want you practicing it um, all day, but I want you to practice it while you're having a bowel movement. And that's the same way that you push for birth. And I have them practice that lying on their back, maybe lying on their side, different positions that they may be birthing in so that they can replicate that when they're actually giving birth. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the last thing would be what's called perineal massage which is just kind of really softening the bottom half of the vaginal opening. We start then around 34 weeks of pregnancy to prepare for a vaginal birth. And that helps just kind of release some of the tension in those muscles to prepare for baby coming out. Amazing. I also saw in one of the blog posts that you have some other just quick tips like maxi pad popsicles, um, hydration, sits baths, hunger, you know, the support groups, things like that. So I'm going to put some of those on the show notes as well. So I highly encourage people to check those out to get a little bit more information and just some of the practical tips that we can prepare for as well. Um, But how can people get a little bit more support with you through your courses and everything that you do online? I'm always thinking of you every time I go to a a hotel. I'm always taking the trash bin and I'm putting it in front of me to elevate my legs. That's (laughs) awesome. But yeah, how can people get more info from you? (laughs) So I'm I'm mainly on um, social media on Instagram and my handle is the.vagina.whisper. So the vagina whisper. And that's where I just really share a ton of information about things like this. Like how do we poop when we're traveling? How do we Mm -hmm. teach our kids to poop? I think things that if we just integrate some of these day-to-day practices, it can help prevent issues down the line. 
And then my website is thevagwhisper.com. And on there I have, I'm an online platform with um, a pregnancy series, a postpartum series. Um, I'm coming out with my childbirth preparation series. And I also have a series on relaxation and lengthening if you have painful intercourse or pelvic pain. So all of these are just weekly workouts for people so that they're 10 minutes long because I know myself as a busy mom, like I don't have 30 to 45 minutes three times a week. I maybe have mm-hmm. 10 minutes, especially <laughs> during pregnancy or postpartum. So it's 10 minutes three times a week. And then there's usually a little video on like something specific pelvic floor wise, but it really walks you through pregnancy, postpartum and, and beyond to help I think really just educate people about something that they can do to help their bodies. And we're just not getting that information from anywhere else. What would you say to somebody who is maybe preparing for a birth and they're really scared about what's going to go on down there? I think to be scared is normal. Like I've given birth twice and they've been great experiences, but if I were to have a third, which I don't plan to, but I would still feel scared. I mean, there's a certain sense of vulnerability that we're going to have, that we are not in control of that process. And there's a certain fear of the unknown. So also recognizing like, it's okay to feel scared. What can I do to help kind of manage that fear? Is it just doing some relaxation work with some tapes? Is it going for walks? Is it talking to a therapist? Um, Hearing positive birth stories. I think anything that you can do to fill your cup um, and to just get more positivity, it's only going to benefit you. The other thing is you can prepare. I mean, even if you're planning to have a cesarean birth or a VBAC or a vaginal birth, just educating yourself on what that process will look like, what it could look like, and then how you can prepare postpartum. All the things that you can do, you know, after you bring baby home, what to expect. I think we plan so much our nurseries and our swaddles and our car seats. And I'm like, we need to be thinking about like, do I have a squatty potty? Do I have a peri bottle? You know, do I have a good Mm -hmm. setup in case my vagina is sore? How am I going to sit? Just all of these things that are just the really practical things you need to think about for postpartum. And if you prepare, you know, that will help. If you enjoyed the show today, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode and leave a review on Apple Podcasts so I know how to better serve you. I'd also love for you to join our community of Mamas in Training on Facebook. You can find me at Mamas in Training on Instagram and at mamasintraining.com. For Mamas in Training, I'm Jessica Lorian. We're in this together. <laughs>